welcome to STEM Punk. My name's Tom. We have Shane. We have Christy. And we have the team back together. Woo! Uh, this is a, a rare podcast where we get to sit down and just talk about science communication. Yeah, I thought it would be a good idea to define who our audience is. And it'll be an interesting discussion to see what we each think our audience is. Because at the moment, I think it's just us. Yep. Yeah. When, when I'm recording episodes, I'm just thinking, what would I like to listen to? So for us, the audience who is me or you, Shane or Christy, that works for our friends or people that, that we convince to listen or ex-guests on the podcast. They listen. They're the audience. Uh, but we really don't know much more about that. I remember one of the first things that you were saying, Shane, to do the podcast is we want to communicate this stuff. We want to let people know what it's like to do science and STEM and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if we don't know who our audience is, we can't really do that. That's a good summary, right? Yes. So my question is, do we now look at who our audience is and therefore try and tailor our things to try and attract more people like that? Or do we think about who we want our audience to be and try and tailor it to attract those people? I think it's difficult to know who our audience actually is. Because mm. I don't know if podcast feeders or the data behind wherever it is, where Google's storing it somewhere, but I don't know if they, it's easy to get. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if it's if that's a good place to start because it's difficult to know who the audience is, except for who we know the audience is, which yep. is a couple of our friends. Yep. So I would like to know who. Yeah, I would like to do the second one, which is target an audience to go for that audience and then see if that works. Cool. Because if we have an audience in mind and then we're not getting that audience, then we have to change. So, yeah, I guess in some sense, we're really attracting people that are uh, similar minded to us, mm -hmm. interested in science, just the general facts here and there and the understanding of the latest findings and everything like that. That's why we're interviewing these guests because they're actually in the thick of it all mm -hmm. in terms of uh, science discoveries or even indeed communicating science in general. That to me sounds like it's very easy audience to get and you just got to get the right people. But there's the other harder part is what is the ultimate aim of science communication? To sort of communicate to those people that don't have a scientific background or don't have the science experience that the rest of us kind of have and just sort of raise the awareness of science to them so they can at least appreciate science? Or do we just want to have fun and just talk about all the cool stuff that science do, does? So. The people we talk to, as in our audience, are already interested and convinced of that, I think. I would, I would suggest that it's, it's definitely the echo chamber. Yes. Our, our audience is the echo. And for some people, that's fine. And then we, so if that's the case, we need to change what, either we change what our audience is or we change what we think our audience is. Another yeah. way to look at it would be if our audience is currently the echo chamber, maybe what we could do is try and equip our audience with the skills yeah. to talk to people outside of our audience about yeah. climate change and for present sure. the information. Yeah. Since, I mean, our podcast is about science communication, maybe we're trying to help our audience be better science communicators. Yeah, that's not a bad way of looking at it. So they go out when they talk to their mates and everything like that. It's a science communication pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Anyway, the, the exercise I thought we could do mm. is define our audience. And this is a marketing thing. Marketing people define who their audience is or their brand. Like they do this with their brand. They give their brand a name or they give their audience a name and a a job and you know what they do in their spare what time. What their motivations are. Their motivations are. So I thought we could do that. Okay. Uh, I like and, it. And it would be fun. And if that doesn't work, that we can revert to, you know, a different approach. We'll just go back to doing what we think is fun <laughs> and assuming <laughs> everyone else does too. Exactly. Yeah. But if uh, once we've done that, I want to come back to what you said, Christy, which was um, a, 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 a podcast about science communication. 
there are so many podcasts about science. Yep. But I don't think there are any about science. Well, no, there are some about science communication, but but not as many. Not as many. So that may be the the niche that we have. Mm. Anyway, let's let's define our audience and then we'll come back to you. Anyway, so I've got a couple of questions here, and we can chat about each one of these. What is the uh, our audience occupation? What do they do? So we're gonna we're gonna pick like a person. All right. And that person is our audience. So that means whenever we record something, we are recording to that person, and then hopefully other people you know not a particular person but we're going to design a person and that's our audience that that one person is our so audience. just one just one just one yeah. that's a big ask it's pretty cool right. it's pretty cool is that like when you communicate technical information to a person you've got to imagine there are either a 10 year old or it's your grandmother is that something like that yeah yeah okay. something like that so right now if you were to ask me what is our audience occupation right now that occupation is science communicator because that's me yes okay right mm. So what do we want our audience job to be? Hmm. It could be a science communicator or think, scientist who communicates. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of the way we talk and the people we interview is probably quite appealing to early career scientists who okay. are sort of getting out and, and have a bit more of that interest in science communication as a result. I think that um, they sort of realise they need to talk about their science a lot and, and this could be helpful to them. Potentially students, which is a different occupation again, or science communicators. One of those three is what I'm betting my money on. Okay. I kind of like that. Yeah. Students, like, and that can mean high school students or university students or, well, I guess those two. Or scientists who communicates or scientists who is interested in communicating more. Starting to get into the field of communication. Yeah. So we're very much amateurs in this as well, but I guess we can learn with our audience. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So, so what are you, are you, uh, would you be happy with that if our occupation is, if our occupation is student or science communicator? So it's, it's effectively a person that has a scientific background or has scientific interests who want to communicate their science or other people's science uh -huh. to the rest of the world in some way. Do they? Does that include someone who works, let's say, for example, at a startup company making maths games? It's a form of communication, and uh -huh. we can probably talk about that. I would a, think so. Yeah. Does it include someone who works? <laughs> Good. Someone who works at a startup making coding education. <laughs> um, I mean, I think so because I think you've got to look at elements of science communication, whether you're specifically communicating science or other aspects of STEM. In a lot of those sort of roles where if you've got that slight educational aspect to it, there's going to be some STEM com in there at least. So like a STEM professional. Mm. So someone working with something to do with STEM in their title or in their role. And yeah. they're communicating STEM. And they're, then they're doing, and they're doing communicating or they're wanting to do communicate. So we're going to create a whole bunch of STEM punks. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. How's that? A STEM professional. Sounds good to so, me. Yeah. So whenever we interview people or whenever we just generally chat we've got to have that in mind as our audience if you're interviewing a scientist for example how would we approach that then i guess is my question it's like what are you winning what you we want to extract out of the guest that's a good question and i think we should leave question a question like that to the end okay. when we can answer it with that person in mind 
if the character's a really good character, you can put them in any situation and you know how they behave, right? So uh, let's think of a STEM character. Spock. Okay. Everyone knows who Spock is. Doctor Who. You know exactly what Spock's going to do in a situation because of yes. the character. Yes. So if we have a good character, which is what we're doing now, like we're designing a character who is our audience, we know how they behave and therefore we know how to approach that audience. That's the way I'm thinking about it. Yeah, sounds good. So we've got an occupation, STEM professional, and that's pretty broad. Yeah. But that's all right. STEM professional could be st- could be student, could be early to mid-career researcher, could be academic, could be someone working in the policy unit at a government department in STEM, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Where do they live? I reckon they're mostly going to be living in more suburban inner city rather than rural or regional and probably Australia. Okay. I don't think we're yep. quite international in our podcast yet. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that, that's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, but this is just the one person. That doesn't mean if you don't live in the inner city. <laughs> if you live outside of the city, off. we still like you. You can still listen. <laughs> Well, In fact, you, tell you us. Be, you could be our yeah. target audience. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe everyone lives out rural. Well. So I think, yeah, okay, I'm happy with that. A pretty simple one. <laughs> uh, who do they live with? These are just random questions that I thought of mm. from marketing people. Friends, family? Uh, do they live with a partner? Do they live with their dog? Do they live with... I reckon whether it's a partner or housemates, they probably live with people who are similarly like-minded in terms of what they're interested in and their career level. So they might have housemates, but they're probably also STEM-interested housemates or maybe their partner is into STEM or their dog, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, depending on what type of dog it is. Smart dogs are there. Maybe we can come back to it, but do you want to decide who they live with just so that we know more about Well, I think we should. I mean, the purpose of these sort of marketing-type activities is that you pick specific people (laughs) and you decide a lot about them and that doesn't mean that person is your whole audience. It's just a representative of potentially one section of it. You know, so you can use them to make decisions. And that doesn't mean that anyone who doesn't fit that bill is not part of the audience. It just means that they are someone that we can use to guide our decisions. I reckon they live in a share house in maybe Glebe, like a step up from sort of the student accommodation of Newtown. So let's go with somewhere that's a little bit more expensive than Newtown tends to be and assume they're a bit more in the working world than a student at this point. Yeah. What is their income? We can have a bracket. What's a middle income earner? But I would say, so my first year out, from uni I was working in a very definite STEM field at Questacon and that was mid 50k which is pretty good for straight out of uni yeah um, so assuming they're relatively early on, let's go 50 to 70K, somewhere in there. Yeah. I was thinking. About, yes. Uh, let's push it for inflation. Oh, yeah, that's true. Se- this was a while ago. 75. All right. 50 to 75. Okay, yeah, 75. Okay. Uh, next one. What are their hobbies? What is what is our STEM professional living STEM is their life. They don't have <laughs> hobbies. I guess they'll be kind of a little bit geeky. Like it could be like something like photography. Oh, yeah. Nice. Because yeah, uh, mm. that's my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they might be a little bit sporty. Okay. It's like they like nature. Sure. One of the like the hobbies that I would say that a lot of the people that I went to uni have gone into, and by a lot, I actually mean not a lot, more so than it used to be, is more like the um, circus skills and aerials and those sort of things. I mean, I do them. That's my thing. Oh, yeah, the but acrobats. quite a few of the people that I train with are STEM professionals. Yes. Rock climbing is another one that I think... Yeah, a lot let's of put rock do. climbing. That's a good one because that kind of covers that. Yeah. And a lot of the people I know that rock climb, again, are in STEM in some way. And what else? Uh, music? Do they dabble in music? I, I'd like to think that music is something that is I a hope hobby. so. It makes me sad because I'm terrible at music, but <laughs> maybe our audience is better than me. Uh, a few of the people that, are, that we've asked about what do you nerd out about, a few of them have said music. All of the hobbies. That'll do. Nature, mm-hmm. photography, rock climbing and music. How's Perfect. That? 
Nice. This person's cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want to hang out. <laughs> what does STEM mean to them? It's a way of life. <laughs> it's their job. But I think they're passionate about it too, right? Like, I think it's not just a job. I'd like to think that about people in STEM. It's something that is interesting and engaging and they're excited about it and they want to share it. STEM means excitement. Do they like steam? <laughs> I will refrain from answering that one. <laughs> okay, Shane, do they like steam? I think they're open to possibilities. Okay. Because they are communication, they need to communicate whatever they're doing, but they need, they can't sort of, as a communicator, you can't sort of, sort of poo-poo other, other ideologies, if that makes any sense. I think that's a great answer. Okay, so they have opinion about mm-hmm. STEM. But all, all of the things we've talked about there, excitement, passion, important, and it's their job, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all for it or all against it. They could yeah. be kind of halfway. And I find these days that I'm changing what my idea of STEM is, depending on who I'm talking to. Definitely. Yep. So it's it's an important issue. They have opinions. Uh, what are their favourite... Let's start with podcasts. Step up. I'm done. I guess other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I would think something like Reply All because that's very interesting. They they, they back up their, yeah. their statements and their facts and they cover such a wide range of topics, which I think that someone who... Someone in our audience probably is not just really focused on one interest but likes lots of interesting things. Um, I think no such thing as a fish stuff you should know oh, what's the one infinite with... monkey cage is oh, another yeah. one yep. um, what about bands favorite band it's a hard one this person is into music so we should actually give them a genre of music what would they be into like dubstep or i don't know classical mm. uh, i mean i like all of those science parody songs mm-hmm. you know those youtube there's a few different youtube channels that do they do covers of normal songs, but about science, and they're really good. There's a musician on YouTube. His name is Andrew Huang, and what he does is he makes music out of various objects or challenges, like he does music challenges, like recording music using snow, or recording music using food, or recording music using stuff you find in a preschool room. It's very creative, and he covers a lot of genres. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll link as well, but if if you if you don't disagree, I will say that that's our favorite band musician is Andrew Wong. All right, because, sounds good. Because of the way that he goes about, and and his videos talk about how he makes these objects as well. He actually made a song based on the sound from Mars that that the ah oh, cool back. yeah yeah like Mars yes. quakes. And All right, that really wins. Cool. <laughs> so the music they like is nerdy sciencey music. Uh, okay, what are their favorite social media apps? Probably, Probably Twitter. Twitter. Twitter would be number yeah. one. I think that's where a lot of the Psycon people hang out. And then it's, to a certain extent, Instagram. Oh, and another one for sort of professional profiling, like what Facebook um, kind of did, it's more for your social thing, is LinkedIn. I find that one a very good one to have for if you're a science communicator. And that's, I Yeah, I don't use that should. as much as I should. Yeah, Let's I assume this person is more organized than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so that's a couple of, well, we've basically just named... All of the social media apps. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they everything. Yeah. Uh, but we're getting an idea of our of our person. Yeah. So why do they listen to podcasts? To learn something new. Okay, that's as simple as it can get. To learn something new. Yeah. Yeah. Learning something new in the scientific world, or learn tips and tricks for hmm. communicating their science. Does that fit with our most favourite episode of Katie Mac? What are people going to learn from Katie Mac that they've not learned before? Katie, when, in that episode, she didn't say anything that she'd not said before. They, I mean, she's very good at science communication, so even just listening to her talk is definitely going to be helpful in learning how to explain things and how sure. to construct, how to de- deliver information that can be quite complicated, I think. Because yeah. if they listen to a podcast interview on their guests, 
if we actually set the standard of what how we can interview a guest star on the show, they'll follow our format. I think that even though you know, my background is physics and astronomy, if I saw a podcast that was interviewing Katie Mack, I'd be like, cool, I might learn something interesting from yeah. this because I would expect that she has more knowledge in the field than me and that she would probably say, even if it's not something super insightful, but something new. I feel mm-hmm. like I'd probably learn something. Uh, well, then I'm going to ask another question. Why do they listen to our podcast? To learn something about science communication. Okay. So that kind of means that... Also, because we're just fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that we have to then try and find something to... Try and make sure there's something new something, and interesting yeah, in every episode. something about every episode. science communication that's in every episode. So this one is people are learning marketing. They're learning about how to construct a fake person that represents yeah. your audience. There and this is there you li- go. This is literally a conversation with us trying to work it out. This is a real time. This is what we're doing. It's pretty good. This is what we would we should have done before episode one, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think we jumped into doing podcasts purely with the this will be fun for us to do as a thing we can yeah. hang out and we'll put it online in case anyone else is interested. But largely, it's for us to have fun. Yeah. Um, when do they listen to podcasts? Commute. Okay. Usually commuting, I would say. Yes. I'm happy well. with that. The other interesting question about when do they listen to podcasts is the commute kind of means something for the length of the podcast. It does. Like we go for about an hour. That's probably too long for one commute. Yeah. Except for me, it's an hour walk for me. Really? Yep. Well then, so maybe we should... I suspect I'm not the standard. (laughs) So maybe we should think, like this is why finding the audience is good because we can tailor it to that person. And so if we have an hour long podcast, are people not listening to it because they're not going to get to listen to it all in time? Stopping a podcast partway through is annoying. So what's the average commute time? Well, we should try and figure that out. We should also look at the average length of popular podcasts. Do they, are the really popular ones shorter or do people actually prefer the longer ones even if they have to break it up because they can go into more depth? Be interesting to see. I do Um, know, uh, I was going to say the other time that I think sometimes people listen to podcasts is when they're doing chores around the house. Sure. I know that a bunch of my STEM friends will be doing the dishes and listening to a podcast or vacuuming and listening to a podcast, Uh which means really short chunks yeah. of time that's not going to be an hour of dishes unless you have a lot of dishes <laughs> yeah i was thinking about our glebe person and let's say they work in the city mm-hmm. it doesn't take them an hour to get to work no or even if they work at uni so yeah i reckon around 20 25 minutes is probably yeah. about good length it means we've good. got to rethink the way that we do it which is fine it's totally fine and excellent but the only the only thing i don't like about that is you can't get into some of the really cool conversations but then it's probably okay to minutes. occasionally have longer ones like, you know, if you, I would rather, if I'm listening to a podcast that's normally 25 minutes, but there's a really good conversation going on, that if it takes an hour and it's fascinating, then I'd be okay with that. I might uh-huh. just go around the block before I get to my desk or okay. even, you know, listen to on the way home. Mm-hmm. But then that's something I was thinking about. On your walk or commute to work compared to commute home, people are often in a different frame of mind. You're like up in the morning and hopefully ready and excited and engaged to go to work. And maybe you want a more engaging, in-depth podcast in the morning. And maybe in the afternoon, people listen to something different, something more easy listening. That's a complete theory that I've made up on the spot, but maybe it's something i i do know that i more likely to listen to an audio book on the way home and if i want to listen to a podcast it's more likely to be in the morning but maybe that's just me what does their life look like before and after they listen to stem we can go kind of crazy so before stem punk what does their life look like dull gray awkward (laughs) boring they're gonna get it after the episode you're gonna they're gonna get an aura around their head yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) they become enlightened yes so this is more what would we like their life to look like before and after than what it currently looks like before and after clearly this is a marketing question from a a marketer so as someone who's trying to do marketing to make people really feel good maybe it's that they end up with more 
more intention in what they do in terms of their STEM communication. So instead of just like we did going, oh, yeah, this is fun. I'll just start doing it. Maybe going, this is the process I'm going to take to communicate this aspect. I'm going to be a bit more intentional and considered in the steps I take. I really like that. It's like uh, they do it. A, a lot of people who, you know, I've heard people ask Derek Muller, Veritas, you know, how do you do your YouTube channel? And he says, just do it. And that's what we did. What should we do? A podcast. Okay, just do it. The, the, the advice for people to do science communication is just do it. So I think, yeah, that's cool. Motivated to go and do things. What yeah. does their life look like before? They're not doing it. And after, they're, they're doing, doing it. it. Whether the confidence that, to do it. Yeah. yeah, whether that be a journal or a podcast or a YouTube channel or a Twitter account. That's a great answer. They've just done it. I like it. So by having Stempunk and inspiring people to do things, we're creating more guests, yeah. which inspires more people to do things. And it's a never-ending, exp- exponentially increasing cycle. The next one is age. How old are they? Our age, so early 20s. Oh, definitely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very good. I reckon early 30s. Yeah. 33. This person is 33. Although wouldn't 42 be good? Which brings us to our final question for our exercise, which is what is their name? Now, I've just had an idea. I'm going to look up the 33rd element in the periodic table because I don't know it off the top of my head. You need really loud typing noises for Arsenic. this. Arsenic. <laughs> Arsenic. So that's not at the name of our person, but maybe that could inspire the name that's, of our... That's not a good one person. to go. No. no. It's <laughs> Arsenic. <laughs> I was thinking of a, a name that doesn't indicate gender. Sam. Sam or something like that. Sam STEM professional. Alex. Alex. Quinn. Can you tell I was looking up gender neutral names recently? <laughs> Well, you did some research for this book. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I don't know. It depends. Like, even Chris could be yeah. both as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Well, Discovered I mean, was... by Albertus Mag- Magnus. Albertus Magnus? What a cool name. In approximately 1250, apparently. Here we go. Learn well, something new every day. Well, I don't want to have Albertus as the name. No. Of I also don't think Arsenic is a good name. No, no. I was just, <laughs> look, I was just looking it up for... Um, what about Nick? Inspiration. Could be Nicole or Nicholas. Oh, and Arsa Nick. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. It's Nick. I like that we both went for Sam straight away. Yep. So I'm not going to let that one go just yet. Is there a name that begins with AS? Especially? Ashley. Ash. Mm. Ash. 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 Ooh. <laughs> Ash. Don't find many Ashes around. I'm Nick. just thinking, when I think Nick. Ash, I think of Evil Dead. I'm thinking Nick. Nick? Yeah? All right. Arsa Nick. <laughs> what well, goes from 33 arsenic nick yeah sure all right nick all right wow that's cool we've got a name hi nick <laughs> so to all the, the 200 nicks that are listening to us right now welcome okay nick age 33 loves stem exercise. lives in glebe with their housemates who are also somewhat stemmy earns about 75k a year is into nature photography rock climbing and music and yeah. after listening to this podcast they're going to go out and just do it and do it yeah yeah good job nick <laughs> you do it nick go nick i'm really happy with that wow that could not have gone better that's <laughs> really cool that brings us to what you were saying, Christy, which is, is it is it that we change our audience or that we change our podcast to suit mm. our audience? I would like to give that a go. I yep. would like to give thinking of Nick. Using Nick to guide our decisions. Using Nick to guide our decisions. And maybe down the track, we might use Sam as well when we write a character for Sam, if we realize that perhaps there is another 
facet of the audience that we're missing. Yeah. But I think using Nick for the moment is good. And that means that there are going to be some changes in how we do STEM punk. Big changes. Because we've kind of decided that they listen to their podcast. Uh, Nick listens to the podcast on the commute. Yeah. So it's probably not going to be more than about 25 minutes plus or minus for each podcast. And if we do record an episode that's longer, then you just cut it somehow. Cut it up, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe the, the extra stuff that we cut out can go into like five, ten minute other podcasts mm. that we release for STEM shorts. Who pay us. <laughs> Didn't we think about Oh, on our Patreon, on our yeah. Patreon that we're going to do soon. Oh, right, yeah. Join our Patreon and you'll get access to our STEM shorts. That sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, we ask people, what does STEM mean to you? Then we ask them uh, the question from our previous guest, which I still want to do. I think that's great. Then we ask them their question for our next guest, and then we ask them, what do you nerd out about? Yeah. There are kind of four questions, and surrounding that is discussion. Do we have to change how that works? I don't think so, because I was just thinking the nerd out question is good, because our Nick here has a variety of different hobbies and is obviously quite interested in their hobbies and would like to hear about other people's hobbies. And I think that's really cool to sort of bring in that element that you can be interested in STEM, but also interested in perhaps something else that's not specific to your STEM-related job. Mm. I think that would be quite appealing to them. Well, it also goes towards why do they listen to podcasts? It's Mm. to learn something new. So you can learn something new about Nick by what they do in their spare time. I really like hearing what other people who I find interesting, what it is that they sort of do in their spare time that really interests them because sometimes it inspires me to go and look those things up and then I learn something new. And it sends me down a rabbit rabbit warren in Wikipedia (laughs) quite frequently. Well, that's pretty cool because if you don't get those questions within the 25 minutes, you can actually put it into extra bits. Mm-hmm. And then you can probably put a whole episode of we interviewed all these people, we asked this question, and you can just sort of have a. Oh, we could just become a content farm like on YouTube where they just recut old yeah, videos yeah, yeah, and yeah. we'll just put out new podcasts that are just clips from all the old ones and then get millions of views like Tasty does. And yeah, things. sure. Does it mean we have to ask another question like tell us something new, tell us something that we don't know? Ooh, that's a cool question. In the interest of why are you listening to mm. learn something? So we could just hit that straight up. Why do you listen? Because you want to learn something new. All right, tell me something new. I like that. But now we're getting we're getting more questions and less time. <laughs> yes. So maybe we should drop what does STEM mean to you? We should we should still keep asking. I think if anything now, ask the question towards the end and have it as a STEM chunk thing. And then you should have an Ooh, episode. STEM chunks. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> STEM chunks. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's like, to me, that's like a little side project to the actual main part of the the episode when we interview a guest is uh, we're just interested in what they know, but it'd be good to actually collate all the information in STEM chunks um, to, and once we sort of present all that information. So, so what you're saying is we still ask them that, what does STEM mean to you? But I like it because it's our unique question. It is a unique question. Yes. And I think it's an interesting one because it's not as clear cut as tell us something new or what do you find interesting but people have to really think about it because it's not it, the way it's worded is not just what does stem mean so it has to become a really personal answer mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people don't think about what stem really means to them and i like that people get a bit put on the spot trying to answer it because mm-hmm. i think you get more unique answers that way well I, I, we we could go underneath underneath 25 minutes it just means that we don't get to discuss it too much maybe this is something we can we can we can fiddle with the uh we can fiddle the, with the structure and then do some actual stats on it and see you know if our 25 minute episodes are being more listened to or less listened to yeah and also people can give us feedback by commenting on our posts they can this is true that was so fascinating to me do you have anything else i know just to add yes it was a good episode to or good round table discussion on sort of knowing our audience and i yeah. think we've got a better picture now that we have nick uh we can actually go forward and record hopefully better episodes and get them 
bigger audience retention as a result. It will be really fun to see if it changes anything. I'm excited. All right. Cool. Oh, wow. That's so good. That feels so good. I think that's it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Nick. is part of the Australian Educators Online Network, aeon.net.au.